This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 29, starting with verse 31, and we're going to finish out 29 and head into chapter 30 tomorrow. So when the Lord saw Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. That is a one of the sad verses in the book of Genesis. It is a very sad verse in the book of Genesis. I want to talk about that a little bit. I do want you to see something and see what happened here. It says, so Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Notice, she named her first son after the problems that she was having with her husband because she was unloved by her husband. And and the name Reuben means, hey, look, I got a son. It means see a son. And what that means is what she's saying to her husband is that, look, I am doing everything that a wife should do. Why do you not love me also? And then the Lord surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. That's what she says. She says, I'm naming my son something so that my husband will love me. And then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard my cry, I am unloved. She named him, she, (laughs) or she's, she's hated. And, and he is therefore given me this son also. And she called his name. She called his name Simeon, which means God heard us, heard her or to be heard. Notice, she's unloved, and she knows it, and she's naming her, look, I had a son for you, and then the next child I had was another son, and you still haven't heard, you haven't listened to God, and then she conceived again and bore a son, and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I've borne him three sons, therefore his name was, she called him Levi, which means to attach. She's literally sending her son, her husband messages by naming her husband's naming her husband's children, her husband's sons, the issues that they're facing with each other. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, "Now I will praise the Lord." Notice she's slowly moving away from trying to get love and affection from her husband, and she says, "Now I'll praise the Lord." Therefore, she called his name. Uh, Judah, and that means praise, and then she stopped bearing sons. Now, I want to talk for, I want to, as we do this Bible study this morning, I want to talk to you about two perspectives about things, okay? There's two lines we need to go. We need to go down the Jacob line, and we need to go down the Leah line. In the Jacob line, let me say this about Jacob. Jacob got most of his children from Leah, and you're going to see that later on, that Leah is going to be the one 
who gives him the most children from her and from her, her line. She's going to, but Jacob cannot get away from this favoritism that has afflicted his family. He cannot get away from that. And he is going to continue to play favorites in life. Now, the truth is that we oftentimes in life like other people more than we like other people. <clears throat> we like people more than other people. And that's true. But that does not mean that God, that God wants us or even desires us to treat other people differently and to not give other people what they're due because we play favorites. And the truth is when you're in a position of authority or when you're a position of leadership or when you're in a position of providing for or leading a group of people, especially in the family unit, you cannot play favorites between people. You cannot do that because it is highly destructive. It is corrosive to that group. Now, I, there's definitely people <clears throat> that I have more of an affinity for. Now, that's more because of our sin natures than because of the good things. I want you to know that because how do I know that? Because God loves every one of us and he genuinely likes every one of us. And he genuinely seeks out those things that are part of our lives that he made that he enjoys. And that's one way you can avoid playing favorites is I always listen to me. And this is an important principle in dealing with other people. <clears throat> if you don't want to have a bitter sectarian way of living and sectarian means that you break up into groups. Okay. If you don't want to have a bitter sectarian life ahead of you, meaning that you're always involved in this group and this group is battling that group and this group is going against that group. If you don't want to live a life where you're always involved in sectarianism, then you have to, every, with every person that you run into, even the worst of people, even people that <clears throat> really have nothing about them that you like, you have to look for something that you like about them. And you have to, in your mind, emphasize that in every way. <clears throat> and I want you to know that's exactly what God does with you. He doesn't love your sin. He doesn't love all that comes from your sin. But there's an aspect of who you are that he made that he loves. And that aspect he also likes. He enjoys you. He thinks you're wonderful. And if he can find that in you, you can find that in other people. You can find some aspect of who they are that you think is just really good, that is wonderful, that is fabulous. You can find <clears throat> that aspect of them in their character and nature. And you can begin to play on that in your own mind, and it will cause you to have an affinity for them, to have some affection for them in that area. And it will cause you to be pleasant to them, and that your body language and how you react to their presence is a positive body language and a good body language. And it will cause you to open them up in the sense of they will be open to you and they will realize that you're not against them. And when that happens, then you have the opportunity to do ministry to people that you normally would not have an opportunity to do ministry because you are actually, you are actually someone that they find cares about them. And you do care about them. Because you've, you've made the hard step and the hard move 
to actually look for some aspect of who they are that you can grab hold to, that you can love, and that you can respect. And that aspect of them has made you, it's made them appealable to you. You love them. You have some kind of something about them that you, and for them, it opens the door. And they don't know exactly why you like them, but they realize that you do like them and they will open up to you. And they may actually become someone who's very important in your life and someone who does some important things for you. They may be an aid to you. And they may actually, in, in the end, become one of your best friends. And so many times we walk in the room and we just pick the group we want to be a part of and we isolate ourselves from everybody else and we miss out on the good things God has for us because we have our wants, desires, needs, notice, and most of them come from a sin nature. I'm going to tell you, you need to practice this in your life. You need to practice the art finding aspects of people to love. You need to practice that regularly. Jacob couldn't do that. And Jacob is going to spend, he is going to sow seeds of derision and dissension among his children. And he's going to start that with his wives because he loves, he loves one and hates the other. He loves Rachel and he hates Leah. And that is, it, it, it is not a positive thing for him, for his family, for his children, for anyone, I have aspects of, I have two daughters, and there's aspects of each one of them's character and nature that I really, I love it. I love that aspect of who they are. And there's aspect of each one of them's character and nature that I don't like. And I'm, there's quite clearly aspects of my nature that they don't like because they will pick on me about those things. There's no doubt about it. And sometimes it's funny. It's really funny. But there's aspects of me that I'm sure they don't like. But you know what? We don't focus on the things that we like when we're dealing with people. We The things that we don't like when we're dealing with people, we focus on the things that we... Why do we do that? We do that so that we can have relationship, so that we can... You do that with people that you really like. You overlook their inadequacies. You overlook their, their the things that are just not very good about them. You overlook them so that you can continue to have that relationship. You can do the same thing with people that you ne don't necessarily have a great affinity for. You can do that, but it's a choice of the heart. It's a choice of the will, and that choice of the will can fulfill your life in ways that are unimaginable. They can fulfill your life in ways that you cannot imagine if you'll just try it, if you'll just try it. And I would encourage you to try it with who you are and how you associate with people. I'll, I'll always look for the person who's over in the corner and not associating with anybody to reach out and to give a lifeline of love to them so that they know that at least someone notices them, at least someone is willing to do something to reach out and build a bridge. And even if they choose not to take the bridge, that's okay. I've given them the opportunity to have a bridge, and they know that th there's one out there. And I want you to learn how to do that, too. I think that it will be a great reward to you. Now, what happens if you're the one that's unloved? What happens if you're the one that's not being accepted in the group? And let me tell you something I have experienced with that in my own life. I think we all do. I think everyone has an experience with that, and everyone has struggled with that in one way or another. If you've always been a part of the group, if you've always been the one that's accepted, if you've always been the one who's everybody loves, I'm going to tell you there's some aspect of you that's not good. 
I'm going to tell you that. that. And that's the truth because it means that you're willing to do whatever it takes to be a part of whatever group you're in. It means that you may not have a true center. And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing for a person not to have a true center. You just become whatever you need to be a part of whatever group you're in. And that's that, that means there's no true strength of character in you. And if that's you, I would consider that. That means that you're willing to do whatever it takes to please whoever it is so that you can be part of whatever group it is. And you're willing to compromise your own self. That's a negative thing. There's going to be, there's going to be aspects of your character and nature that are going to be unlikable or they're just going to be something that the people, certain groups of people don't like. And your willingness to change those things just so that you could be accepted is not good. That's not a positive thing about who you are. Now, if you're a person who has experienced being ostracized from a group or not liked or not wanted or un- that happens a lot. And Leah goes through the aspects of it. And she does what she's supposed to do. First thing she does is God opens her womb and she has a son. And she says, look, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a wife. And I, especially in this situation, I deal with a lot of women who are struggling in their relationships with their husbands. That happens. Or maybe even sometimes husbands with their wives. And the first thing I do is I say, are you doing and being who you're supposed to be? Or have you let a root of bitterness grow up in you such that you you don't continue to be who you're supposed to be in that relationship? For Leah, she does what she's supposed to be doing. She has a son and she provides that son for, and it doesn't mean as much in our culture today, but back then it was of great importance to have sons so that they could continue on the family, so that they could do the work that was necessary in order to in order to make sure the family had all that it needed as far as food and clothing and shelter and all those things and then it also dealt with being attached to the land and the promises of God because the land passed through the sons and so you needed sons in order to pass on the things that God had given you and provided your family the promises of God that had been fulfilled in the past and so she gives him a son and she says look here's a son and then he did not recognize that what does she do? She gets, she continues to do what she's supposed to be doing. And she's, although she feels heavily unloved, she continues to be who she's supposed to be. And, and she has another son and she says, she basically names him a name that says, are you listening to me? She calls him the one who's heard. She says, are you listening? Are you looking? Are you seeing? I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing for you. Why don't you give me the attention that I, that I want? And you know, what's wrong with actually meeting somebody's needs and giving them attention that they desire? What I mean, what is wrong with that? A lot of times we can't do that because we're so into who we will like and who we want that we miss out on actually loving people where they're at and who they are. And if you'll look for something to love somebody for, you can find it. There's something about them because God loves them. There's something about them that God loves and you can find that. But he doesn't do it. And so she's unloved. And she says, have you heard? And then she conceives a third time. She is, she's hit the jackpot, really, if you want to know the truth. She's hit the jackpot. And she names, and she names this son attached, meaning, are you going to finally have a relationship with me? Are me, me and you actually going to connect here? Are we going to grow together as a husband and wife? And she doesn't. He doesn't. 
And you know what she does? She does the right thing. And this is the important truth for Leah's life. She does what she's supposed to do in the relationship. She lives up to her role. She lives up to her responsibilities. She lives up to every aspect of who she's supposed to be in the relationship. And she is faithful to do it. And God is faithful to bless her because she is faithful to do it. And if you'll notice in the first verse, it says, when the Lord saw Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. The reason that Rachel is barren is not because of anything Rachel's done, and it's not anything because of Leah, what Leah's done. It's all because Jacob is playing favorites like he always has been playing favorites. And it is hurting Leah, and it, it listen to me, it is hurting Leah, and it is hurting Rachel. It is hurting both of them. Oftentimes, we think we play favorites so we can help one over the other, and the truth is you are destroying both by doing that. I want to say that emphatically. You are destroying both. Now, Leah is not being destroyed in the sense of she, she's being faithful, and God is finding her faithful, and he's blessing that. But she is still being destroyed because she desires an intimate, close relationship with her husband, and he's not giving it to her. And she's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing. And then it says, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Notice, she's finally reached the point where she realizes she's not going to get her needs met by her husband, and she is going to the Lord, and she's going to have him meet her needs. And let me tell you something. That's how it works. That's how it works. It, ultimately, if you're going to be a person who changes lives and meets needs and does things that make a difference in other people's lives, you have got to get your value. You've got to get your, your direction. You've got to get who you are wholly from God and not from other people. Because if you're expecting other people to meet your needs and to fulfill you, they cannot do that, and you are doing them wrong by trying to force them to do that. Okay? If you want to have all of who you are fulfilled by a single person or a group of people, they cannot do that because you have a God-sized hole in your heart and only God can fill it, okay? And so if you're trying to gain value for yourself from other people, they will never, ever fill it. They will never, ever complete you. And I know that's the saying of everyone in society today. He or she completes me. The answer is, and the truth is, no, they do not. They do not complete you. And you placing that burden on them is eventually going to erode and corrode that relationship and destroy it. My, my wife is a wonderful woman. She is a woman who is accomplished. She is a woman who has great wisdom. She is a woman who has provided me two children. We have two wonderful daughters. I have a wonderful son-in-law. I can't say any more wonderful things about my wife and my family. I, can't, I couldn't say any more about them than, I, than I'm saying right now to you. The, my two daughters were a joy to raise, and they're a joy to watch as adults right now. But listen to me. They do not complete me. They do not. God completes me. They are God's blessing to me. And there's a big difference between the two. God has blessed me with them. And not because I deserved it. Not because I earned it. He's blessed me with them because he's a loving God who blesses his children beyond what they deserve. 
but they do not complete me. God completes me. They are my blessing. And when you start seeing people as your blessing and your opportunity to walk in those blessings and quit seeing people as somebody who has got to fulfill my needs and make me whole, when you start seeing people in the proper fashion and the proper way, you're going to begin to have holy, wonderful relationships in a way that you cannot imagine. You're going to have complete relationships. You're going to have life-giving relationships. And notice, they're not giving you the life. You're going to be giving them the life. You're going to be giving them the hope. You're going to be giving them the blessing. And that's the only way to look at it. That's the only way to see it. That's the only way to walk in it. And when you do that, when you walk in it, when you live it, when you become who you're supposed to be for others, and when you get your fulfillment from God, let me say this, the world is your oyster. There's nothing you can't do, and there's nobody you cannot touch and make a difference in their life. And, uh, and that's the way it's done. That's the only way it's done, and it shouldn't be done any other way. And I think this is a great passage to see both how Jacob is not doing it the right way, how Leah is hurting because he's not doing it the right way, but ultimately how God is fulfilling himself and his plan in her and showing her that I'm the one who sustains you and fulfills you. And I think that's a wonderful way to see it, a wonderful way to look at it, and a wonderful way to walk in it. And I pray that'll be for you. I pray that you'll grow in your understanding of who God is and an understanding of the purpose of relationships in your life and that you will be a relationship life giver as you go. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.